0: Hello and welcome to the Stockout. Mike still here from Freightwaves, um, analyst, market expert, uh, follow the CPG industry and also the uh, intermodal industry uh, here at Freightwaves. And uh, this is the Stockout, a show that we set aside 26 minutes to talk about what's happening in the world of CPG, CPG supply chains, uh, and various transportation issues as they uh, relate to uh, CPG. So, um, you know, wanted to have a show that really addresses that important uh, shipper group. And today on The Stockout, we um, have a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of news in the CPG industry over the last week. Um, I'll talk about the biggest thing, which was the Kellogg split, announcement that Kell- Kellogg is going to split into three companies at some point um, by the end of the next year and a half, by the end of 2023. So I'll, I'll give some thoughts on that. I actually really liked the announcement. Um, also had uh, uh, announcement that Mondelez in, in a blockbuster acquisition, um, is going to require Cliff Bar and a 2.9 uh, billion dollar uh, deal. Um, I'll talk about that, and we have a story up on FreightWaves.com about Kraft Heinz uh, changing logistics suppliers, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why that's important. Um, and then, you know, rail congestion has really been sort of the topic of the hour. Lack of rail congestion, so I'll discuss that and what that means for CPGs. And if there's time, I'll talk about the Biden administration's proposal to um, mandate lower nicotine cigarettes, which I think also um, are included in the CPG uh, you know, industry as, as well and under that category. So a lot to talk about today. And I'll just sort of get right into it with uh, topic number one, which I think was the, the biggest topic over the last week, which is Kellogg um, is going to split into three companies. Um, we don't know what those companies are going to be called, but let's call them Snack Co., North American Cereal Co., and Plant Co. to start with. And Kellogg's been an interesting, um, you know, company. I mean, it's really performed well over the last, um, you know, year to date. I mean, actually, shares are up nine percent year to date versus a decline in the S and P of eighteen percent. So there's really been this flight to quality, um, which has been, um, you know, representative. There, you see a stock chart. You see Kellogg. Uh, shares are in black, and the S and P 500 is in blue. And so, a lot of CPG companies have really outperformed the, the the market so far this year. That's um, you know, really been uh, sort of sector rotation, a flight to quality. I think a lot of investors in CPG have felt left out the past several years as the higher risk, uh, higher reward names have, have outperformed. And, and and this is sort of revenge of the the boring stocks, revenge of the consumer staples is, is, is what we had. You know this year, and that sort of takes us to um, last week's announcement, um, you know, with Kellogg. And it was really became clear that snacking is where the value is, you know, for Kellogg and the rest of the CPG space. The current uh, CEO, and it sounds like management team is going to focus on running and, and is going to just you know, only run the, the snack portion of the business um, and the international portions of the business. And the cereal, um, North American cereal, is going to get spun out. And plants is going to get spun out. You see this graphic, and that's really where the revenue was was in global uh, s- uh, snacking and and international. Uh, you know, that's about it's going to be about eighty one percent of the business in terms of EBITDA. You know, cash flow about eighty seven percent. And you know, part of the reason why they're doing this now is over the last year, there's really been a lot of um, you know, distractions with some of the other segments, and and really what investors. Should be focused on are you know this the snacking business, which is growing high single digits. I think they have the potential to grow high single digits. These these would be snacks that include Pringles, Pop Tarts, Cheez Its, Rice Krispies, Nutri Green Bars, RX Bars, etc. That's under the Kellogg umbrella. So, a lot of valuable, um, you know, brands there. And you know, the idea is that not only have um, you know, Americans taken to snacking during the pandemic. Snacking a lot as you know things open up and you need uh, you know food to go and that behavior has has stuck. But also there's this transition where they can leverage a brand that's strong in North America and um, you know move it to international markets and it's, it's a way for people in, in other countries to buy a little piece of America. And you sort of see that with the the, the Pringles brand, which is one brand that um, in, in a company acquired um, you know several years ago. And, and say so this is a, a a Pringles can from Taiwan. And so these are beef curry flavored Pringles. And so Pringles is really an international brand, but in the portfolio that Kellogg's has, it's kind of the outlier. Um, when you think about some of their other snacking brands, they really don't have that presence and it's a lot of uh, untapped opportunity. And so that's part of the reason why this company is splitting up is if you're an investor and you're interested in you know, a, a growth at reasonable price, sort of in a GARP portfolio that has some, you're mandated for revenue growth, you know, the snacking portion of the business is going to give you that revenue growth. When you look at the other portions of the business, the North American cereal business, you know, that's something um, that's maybe more appropriate for an income in, in, investor would expect the dividend yield of that to be at least, uh, you know, 3%, maybe even 4%, uh, you know, given where Kellogg's current um, dividend yield is is, is 3.3%. And, you know part of the idea is that you know the snacking uh, you know business is going to be valued more highly by Wall Street if it was a standalone uh, business and you, you sort of look at what you know how shares of Kellogg are trading and they're trading about seventeen times forward earnings, which is about um you know close to in line with general mills and so it's it's almost like it's getting a serial uh, multiple whereas um because snacking. Like I showed a minute ago, is most of you know the revenue, most of the the, um, the the cash flow, really deserves a multiple that's more in line with a best-in-class snacking peer, which would likely be Mondelez, which owns uh, Oreo, and um, as of uh, just was announced, they're going to be acquiring a Cliff Bar, and um, sort of as we as we get to sort of why why are they doing this now is really in the last year, um, you know. The, the value of the snacking has been um, you, you know maybe obscured by some of the other events that have taken place in some of the other you know businesses. Sort of in the last year the cereal business has had to undergo strikes. Um, you see all those um, you know of uh, uh, workers that you know do the the, plant, the um, you know the frosted flakes and, and, and those things that you've had to shut down plants, if you had to, you know, import uh, cereal from from overseas and there was a a fire that that closed the the facility. And so the cereals come under a lot of pressure. And then the plant portion of the business um, has really been one that's simply been kind of a speculative portion of that business. Now, it's only 2.5% of sales. Still, I think it can be kind of a little bit of an overhang when there are just so many negative uh, headlines about uh, plant-based foods and plant-based alternatives, which was the case over the past year. I mean, really, the the main way for investors to play plant-based is uh, in shares of a company called Beyond Meat, which is down a whopping 84% in the past 12 months. And so, by carving those things out, you have three different types of, um, you know, in- investment vehicles for three different types of investors. And you know, plant-based would be more for a speculative investor, this North American cereal uh, company, or maybe for an income portfolio, something that's stable. And then um, the one where. You know, investors are chasing growth. Would, would, would be in the in the snacking, and you know, you do makes you wonder. Um, you know, are other companies going to follow suit? And we have seen a lot of uh, acquisitions and divestitures in uh, the CPG industry. We've seen a lot of companies like Nestle build out their portfolio of healthy brands, of their you know portfolio of uh, you know things like like vitamins, you know, things like um, you know pet food, healthier pet food. One where you might see a similar split. Actually, is Unilever, which has already announced that they're going to be reorganizing from three segments to five segments. They have an activist in there. They've underperformed Procter and Gamble, and it does make you wonder if Unilever is going to spin off the ice cream business, which has been a distraction given um, you know Ben and Jerry's uh, tweets, which has caused uh, you know some state pension funds to. You know, think about if not entirely remove unilever from their their portfolio so that's been kind of a, a headache and, and and so that's one just sort of speculation on my part where you might see a similar uh, you know split up so why should uh, transportation companies care about this or logistics companies care about this I mean clearly if you're in the CPG industry I think snacking is kind of where you want to be if, if you want to be in a business that's that's that, that's growing um, and I, I think that some some of the other segments are are still stable, and you know, so far, some of these big CPG companies really haven't seen much consumer retrenchment, and heard from uh, you know, various logistics companies that say well, they're really sort of directing ca- carriers to focus in on CPG as a um, just sort of an avenue to have more stable, uh, you know, volume. Uh, topic number two here is Mondelēz uh, announced acquisition about a week ago of Cliff Bar, and uh, this highlights uh, some industry trends. So this is really uh, also shows. The value of snacking. So this was a 2.9 billion dollar deal on Cliff Bars, 800 million in revenue. So that's 3.6 times revenue. Um, so a lot of value there, and that does not include um, additional consideration for an earnout based on meeting certain undisclosed targets. So you know, huge day for uh, Cliff's. Um, you know, current owners, the, the, the founders. And um, you know this is what Mondelez is is traditionally sort of known for is is, you know you think of Mondelez, you think of Oreos, maybe not Oreos that are broken like in that picture, but um, you know things like uh, various, you know, maybe unhealthy snack foods, confectionery items, Cadbury cream eggs, Toblerone, you know, chocolates, those type of things are Mondelez's sort of things they're most known for. But since 2018, Mondelez has done nine acquisitions. Five out of those nine, including Cliff Bar, have been in the healthy um, a segment or those related to living in a, a healthy lifestyle. And that I think is a major trend in the CPG is a lot of the companies have tried to f- shift their portfolio in that direction. You know, if if brands are not growing um, like a lot of confectionery brands, you know, aren't a lot of those are, are divested if there's not a way for them to grow you know, internationally or in, in, in other markets. So I think that trend is, is going to continue? Um, you know, Nestle has really probably been the one that stands out to me as, as, as having done really well. Um, you know, with that uh, strategy, there were also some uh, interesting comments that Mondelez uh, made publicly about um, the market and just the CPG market. They were at a Bernstein uh, you know, conference or another uh, Wall Street uh, you know, group, um, and they um, you know, the CEO Kirk uh, Vanderput was there. He uh, talked about um, you know a couple of things that uh, Mondelez monitors that I thought were interesting. So they monitor sort of what percentage of households are buying you know specific brands, and then they're also uh, monitoring how much uh, of a quantity that those specific households are buying. So it's actually a pretty sophisticated um, you know system of looking at you know, how much consumers are buying at any one point in time. And so they can actually see if a lot of consumers, you know, who usually buy households, usually buy two packs of Oreos are going to to buy one, or maybe they're buying a smaller pack instead of a larger pack. That's the type of thing they're looking at. And so far they haven't seen um, the consumers really retrench. And um, the CEO said it's, you know, quote, been kind of weird that you really haven't seen that yet. Um, You know, given what's happening with inflation one nuance there with Mondelez is that they're about 90% hedged on cost, which is a lot better than most other CPGs. And so their price increases have been um, you know, more moderate than some of the others. And so with CPG, a lot of times you know, the prices increase 4 or 5%. Consumers don't really change their behavior, if, but if they, they rate raise them 9%, 10%, that's where you see consumers start to pull back. Um, and uh, Mondelez also said that their cost increases next year are going to be just as much, maybe even more than they were this year and so that's something to to, to watch out for and, and it, it just shows i think that's that's driven of a lot of cpg companies where um, they're going to continue to raise prices throughout this year into next uh, it's it's hard to see how um inflation is going to abate at least in food um, you know in the near term so i'll move move on um, you know big deal from um uh Mondelez with the cliff bar um you know, topic number three uh, this was on uh, you know website, uh, freightwaves.com. You know, D.B. Schenker announces layoffs in uh, Texas um, near Fort Worth after losing a contract with Kraft Heinz. So as reported by Freight Waves, Noi Mahoney, logistics company D.B. Schenker is laying off 130 employees from Kraft Heinz Distribution Center near Fort Worth, according to a notice sent um, to state officials on Tuesday. And so Kraft will not be closing this distribution center. It will re- remain open. There's about 200 uh, workers that remain um, employed there, um, and it's just the function of uh, Kraft Heinz deciding to use DHL for its logistics needs rather than DP Shanker. I don't know whether that was price related or service related. Um, you know, I could only speculate from you know where where I'm you know sitting. Um, but basically, I, I think it does show the importance of you know keeping the big um, you know, CPG companies happy and um, just sort of what can happen when. You know, CPG companies go another way I mean it could, could lead to um, you know companies having to cut if, if they're in a, a certain location so you know CPG companies are really sort of the ones right now that are being coveted by uh, carriers by logistics companies I mean their volumes you know if, if they're down they you know they might be but they're gonna hold up better than a lot of other you know goods and when we look at the transportation market overall inventories at the retailer levels are high in general we, we all saw what um, that, that Walmart's Inventories are about 35% higher than they were a year ago. Target's about 45% higher than they were a year ago. The nuance there is that's really for general merchandise. It doesn't pertain to food or consumable products. Those are much more, um, you know, sort of in line. So, you know, really, if if you see retailers cut um, prices, it's really going to be more for for goods that consumers don't actually really need sort of more um, wants rather than needs. A uh, topic number four is rail service um, is t- deteriorating. I think you know there's been a lot talked about in the last, um, you know, really in the last week, but just even today, sort of just uh, seemed like a lot came across my desk on rail service. And I have a, a chart um, that I think is, is interesting from Sonar. So this is the intermodal outbound tender rejection index from uh, LA. So this is containerized inter- intermodal volume. And normally, you sort of would have what you see in the middle part of that chart in 2000, late in 2018 and 2019 when uh, the transportation market wasn't particularly strong. You see that intermodal tenders don't get rejected very often. They're down there 1%, maybe less than 1%. And you, you saw with all the um, you know, supply chain uh, issue, transportation congestion late 2020 and last year, that tick up to you know over 10% in a lot of cases, which is really sort of something is not going right in the transportation industry when that happens. Earlier this year, it had been down at that one percent range and sort of that March through um May time frame. I'm on the I'm on the right side of that chart for those you know watching the video. And but then you know lately here in June in June, it spiked up to about five percent. You see it there at 4.9. And so that is an indication something's not going right with service. And some of the things that you know we've said from around the, the industry, about twenty-nine thousand boxes are in are being held in container yards. That's per... Um, Gene Saroka, Port of LA's executive director, we see him a lot on uh, FreightWaves uh, TV. Um, you know, we're seeing chassis being used as makeshift storage again. That's not good because we know how bad the chassis shortage was last year, and, and so that seems to be, you know, coming up again. And so these things are happening, even though the number of ships at anchor, at, you know, outside the ports of LA, Long Beach, are the lowest it's been in two years. They're down to about twenty. Versus um, a high of about 100, and so um, I think that's a function of maybe some uh, you know companies moving uh, you know goods through other ports, but I think a lot of it is is just the you know, retailers ordering less because they recognize that their inventories are at a high level. You know, our data shows that's expected to. You know, continue, um, and I think uh, you know in the coming uh, you know weeks, you'll see that there there aren't any um, you know container ships waiting you know outside of the the, the ports of of, of L A Long Beach, and that and that may be the ultimate thing that alleviates uh, this rail you know, congestion, um, you know, that I've been uh, describing. But but clearly, right now, there's lots of congestion in and around the Chicago area as as well, um, which is typically the most uh, congested point in the freight rail system. You know, things like, you know, containers piling up, um, you know, storing containers on chassis, not having enough chassis, all, all, all of those things that were, were big problems um, in the summer of last year in the third quarter of last year, starting to rear their head again. Um, but ultimately, Lower freight volumes might be the thing that solves it this year that that wasn't um, you know able to solve it uh, you know last year. So I'll move on to the last topic, which is one that um, have, have written a little bit about, um, but uh, is, is will cigarettes become nicotine light? And so there's been a lot of um, you know discussion of, of ways to make um, you know cigarettes um, less uh, harmful and to discourage. Um, you know, children from using, you know, nicotine. I mean, there is this, um, you know, the FDA has banned Juul's e-cigarettes, um, which I think might have a long fight in the courts to see if the courts will actually uphold that ban. That came after um, it was, uh, you know, the, the company Juul was not allowed to have flavored, you know, e-cigarettes because supposedly flavors um, appeal to, uh, you know, a younger crowd that would be underage. But now there seems like there's this whole new fight where the Biden administration um, is developing a proposed rule to establish a maximum nicotine level for traditional um, to combustible tobacco products. And so that's kind of interesting. It's not clear, um, you know, if this would actually be feasible, if you could just take cigarette, take the nicotine out of it, it would sort of make it um, you know, going back on the long you know, quote that, that the cigarette is just a nicotine delivery system. It's you know nothing more. Uh, than, than that from, from all those um, tobacco hearings. But you um, not clear whether it'd be feasible, uh, not clear whether this would give rise to a robust black market of uh, cigarettes that are imported from other countries that are not approved uh, for use in, in the United States. Not clear whether this would just force existing adult smokers that are law-abiding into withdrawal at one time and um, would make for a lot of, I think, grumpy uh, people um, as they try to get off uh, you know nicotine at, at, at once and sort of uh, ex- experience withdrawal. I mean, certainly it would um, you know reduce the um, you know cravings and um, you know addiction uh, factor. And I think you know, one of the the statistics they cited is that more than half of adult smokers um, you know get addicted to the nicotine before they become old enough to actually legally purchase um, you know, cigarettes. So this seems to be uh, something that the, the Biden administration is going to at least push for. Um, the next step is that the FDA would issue a notice of proposed rulemaking by may twenty twenty three, which seems likely, and there would be a time for public comment, which you know've seen that happen in uh, transportation industry where there's some notice of proposed rulemaking, um, you know regarding some. You know, change to a trucking hours of service rule, and then you get all these you know complaints from people who that would negatively affect, and it, it gets sort of to be a kind of a complaint session in in Washington D.C. Um, you know, think that would be the case here too, um, perhaps with the you know tobacco industry sort of leading the charge, and I think any ruling, um, which is probably not likely until I don't know 2024, maybe end of 2023 would be challenged in the courts, um, you know, tooth and nail. Um, one thing that was interesting is there was one um, you know research report, um, you know I was reading it was written by by Stiefel, one of my former colleagues there, who said that this is a potential negative for Altria because it relies you know heavily on the combustible products, but could actually be a positive for Philip Morris because their portfolio is weighted towards the non-combustible cigarettes or sort of less harmful. Products and that seems to be, you know, their big push. So, sort of believe it or not, um, Philip Morris is trying to position itself as an ESG name because the uh, you know under the argument that their products are, um, you know, at least the ones that fall under the Philip Morris, um, you know, corporate umbrella rather than Altria are uh, designed to be less harmful and help people reduce um, you know cigarette usage and um, have less harm. Um, you know, with those, uh, with those cigarettes. So um, kind of an interesting, you know, development, uh, you know, there, which I I don't, you know, talk a lot about that sort of subsector, but I think that falls under CPG and uh, consumer staple. And, um, you know, another one that is relatively stable when, you know, consumers are looking to cut back, sort of put that in the same category as coffee, where um, people sort of will will, will buy, um, you know, that category of products, no matter, if, if prices are rising or not, um, they'll cut back on something else uh, first. So that's really what I wanted to go over today. And uh, if you're not signed up for it already and this type of content is helpful to you, I would encourage you to um, go on up to FreightWaves.com and go up to newsletters at the top. And you can just go right at the top under supply chains to the, the, the stock out, which is um, you know the CPG newsletter. Try to get it out twice a week, every Wednesday and Friday, um, you know, like you did last week, um, you know, there are times where it only goes out, you know, once if we're inundated with, um, you know, requests from, you know, uh, Sonar customers and working through Sonar data issues and and, and those type of things. But, um, you know, we want to keep everyone updated on the CPG industry. It's an important, you know, shipper group um, and, and not one that's going to go away, um, you know, anytime soon. And would also encourage you to sign up for the other uh, newsletters. Um, one that's really related to this is this new one, "Running on Ice," um, that Sydney Edwards uh, puts out. I think there's a lot of um, you know overlap between those people that are interested in CPG and those people that are interested in cold chain, um, because a lot of CPG will have to move refrigerated as well. And then there's a lot of of, of overlap too with the point of sale um, a, a, a newsletter, which um, you know the, I think the relationship between the CPGs and the retailers is has gotten to be a little bit more contentious. Here lately, um, because the CPGs have tried to ram through, uh, you know, price increases, and um, you know, and, and really justify it in a lot of cases. I mean, you, you've seen the CPG margins contract, so it's not like they their costs haven't risen by just as much. But the retailers, you know, they are pushing back. They are actually auditing what this, the 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 price increases that the CPG companies are, um, you know, demanding, and making sure that the um, rise in inputs really is as severe as the cpg companies you know say it is um in order to justify uh those uh price increases so a lot going on there um and and the cpg industry um you know i think the the cpg industry is as strong as their demand has been uh during the pandemic it also gives rise to a lot of these other you know types of 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 issues um you know for the the newsletters coming out later this week um, I'm going to try to dig into uh, what's happening with with fertilizer prices. Those have been have been volatile. Uh, you know, dig into that. You know, dig into any commodities that um, are also important for uh, the CPG um, you know industry. But I would encourage everyone to you know continue to um, you know go up to, to FreightWaves.com, look at all the great content there. And that's really all I had today. But hope everyone has a great uh, week.